On this episode, we discuss Wild Wild West. Based on the hit TV show, The Wild Wild West. (laughs) (laughs) Factually true. Can't argue with it. He ain't lying. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen, and I can't wait to tell you more about Flop TV, our monthly TV series, but we'll get to that later. Howdy, partners. We're doing an episode <laughs> of the podcast. What's this podcast about, Danny? Uh, it's a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Uh, previously in our history, we had usually done... Previously on the Flophouse. <laughs> previously Dan, on the Flophouse. you're the father. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he having had. this baby. And then Stuart goes, yikes so <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> gross. Uh, this is, um, I'm contractually obligated to say that childbirth is beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what contract did you sign? That, that <laughs> yeah. say I don't that? know. It was with the childbirth council. Yeah. <laughs> um... Part of this our is, Birth is Beautiful campaign. <laughs> Who would be the perfect spokesman? How about a man who's never had children and doesn't want children? <laughs> this mm-hmm. is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And mm-hmm. uh, typically in the past, we had usually done more recent films, films that were new to streaming, films that were new to rental, et cetera. Um, or sometimes but, in the theaters. Yeah, sometimes in the theaters. Uh, but since we are in the midst of a strike, both the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA are striking against the producers. Um, we decided, why don't we focus on some older stuff so we're not even coming close to like promoting something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're in the midst of a 90s flashback, 90s flashback weekend on the Flophouse. <laughs> um, and we did. And then I, and what, what song would, would kick off from that? Like, You Oughta Know? Just like a little sting of that. 90s yeah. flashback weekend. You oughta know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. Or uh-huh. cut my life into pieces. <laughs> that's Black 90s, right? Olson, oh yeah, no, that's yeah. Come. Do you have the time to uh, listen to us talk about Wild Wild West? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Speaking of songs, life is Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. Flophouse nineties weekend. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about Wild Wild West, a film that, uh, before we get into it, I just want to talk about briefly, like, how it nearly derailed many people's careers. Barry Sonnenfeld, before this, uh, made the only movie that people don't remember is a comedy he made with Michael J. Fox. I forget the title, but he did both of the Addams Family movies, Get Shorty and Men in Black, before this. He was... Just and on before, a rocket before that, had to the top. That and a thousand. Yeah, and worked with the Coen brothers on, the, on their early films for that. And, and I, I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'm a big fan of Barry Sonnenfeld. I read his memoir. Not a lot about Wild Wild West in there. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, well, okay, I mean, okay. after this, you know, he retreats into Men in Black sequels. Probably his best movie of his later films after Wild Wild West is maybe Men in Black 3. I don't know. Uh, but he does stuff like RV and Nine Lives. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, his career mm-hmm. goes down. Uh, Will Smith doesn't suffer 
a lot from this, but before this, it was like he could do no wrong, and then he was a little bit more in the wilderness for a while. And this was uh, this was the movie that he turned the lead role in The Matrix down. For, yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Klein, you know, had been a Hollywood leading man up until this point, and then after this, is this af- point, this is after In and Out, right? Which was yeah. a big movie for him. Yeah. Um, you know, won an Academy Award for Fish Called Wanda, but after this, what about Dave? Did he win an Academy Award for Dave? <laughs> no, but Dave's a song. I haven't great seen movie. it in years, but Dave was a movie that I had a real fondness for when I saw it mm-hmm. when it came out in theaters. You know, he's great. Not a, he's great. Not a he's bad great. Movie. But after this, not a I love leading you to death. man I mean, in Hollywood pictures anymore. He would show up in supporting roles. You know, he might lead a smaller film. Uh, and I think but. I think part of this is not just that the movie was not successful. It sounds like the experience of making the movie was unpleasant. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people may have rethought their relationship with film after well, th- being This is also this the movie. movie that famously, uh, according to Kevin Smith's monologue, like the giant mechanical spider in this is a holdover from what the producer wanted to happen in his uh, new Superman movie. His Yeah, that's so this movie, I think a lot of the unpleasantness in the movie may be at the feet of the producer, John Peters, who, if you've seen um, Licorice Pizza, you'll have seen uh, Bradley Cooper playing him. And oh, he, okay. He's the guy who, started his career as like Barbra Streisand's, I think, hairdresser slash lover and Mm -hmm. parlayed that into being a film producer. And I did not get to meet him when I was briefly involved in a Tango and Cash-related project, but he was was involved with that uh, as well, I believe. And uh, the, from all stories, he just seems like a real madman. And (laughs) and I don't mean, I don't mean Frank Einstein, the beloved madman superhero created by Mike Allred, a comic book great. Uh, But the, just seems like a, real hard person to work with. And as Dan was saying, Kevin Smith was going to write a Superman movie for him, the one that was going to star Nicolas Cage. And he just, one of the things he demanded was that there'd be a giant mechanical spider in it. And then Wild Wild West, I think, was the next movie that he produced. And yeah. lo and now, behold, the climax is all about a giant mechanical spider. It now makes I didn't more see sense that, here, I think. <laughs> I didn't see that shitty The Flash movie, but I saw clips of it online. And isn't there a clip where, like, Nicolas yes. Cage Superman fights a giant mechanical spider. Yeah, so the Flash is. I didn't see it either, but I saw that clip where the Flash is going through the different multiverse. What the DC version of the multiverse, uh-huh. and he sees like George Reeves from the black and white Superman TV show. And one of the things he sees is Nicolas Cage Superman fighting a giant mechanical spider. And it was like, well, I guess that's the level this movie is at. Is that it is devoting a whole, almost a whole scene to an in joke about the production of a previous Superman movie that didn't mm-hmm. exist. Uh, yeah, but don't, don't worry. It also looks terrible and it's bad. <laughs> it's a bad it does, thing. And it also, I, I, someone told me recently, they're like, yeah, they brought Nicolas Cage in for that part. And I was like, it all looks like they brought, they, like they just used AI to recreate his face from old movies. Yeah. Like it, it's, yeah. Anyway, so I guess as we go into this summary, keep in mind that this movie did not have the makings of a good movie. Now, did, he, for, did, well, you, guys, did you guys see on. it when it came I mean, out? This was, was a big summer temple. It had the makings temple. of a good movie. I mean, it had the makings. The people involved are not bad. The leads are great. The director's great. It's co-written by the guys who wrote Tremors. So, like, and, and also the Short Circuit movies. So, there's not, well, there are. Well, it's, it's like a few teams. Like, there's, like, another team that, like, also did, I forget what the, they were also attached to some good things. Anyway. But did I mean, you guys but, did you guys see this the summer it came out? I, no. I hadn't seen it until literally yesterday. Yes, I had not watched it until I watched it for this podcast. I okay. saw it, you know, uh, on like HBO after it came out. I was like, surely Barry Sonnenfeld directing this cast can't be bad. And uh, even as a child, I was like, 
I find that film lacking. <laughs> and, and as we'll talk about, I am very confused about who the audience for this movie was supposed to be. I feel like Men in Black is such a perfect version of that kind of movie. Yes. It's a fun action movie. It's a funny comedy. You can watch it with pretty much anyone over the age of seven or eight, you know, it's not, and it feels cool. It doesn't feel like dumbed down, but there's nothing like, there's some effects that might be scary, but there's nothing like too, too sexy or too adult. With Wild Wild and, West- And you have a villain giving one of the best physical comedy performances yes, of all time. <laughs> that he, I mean, it's he's amazing. It's, it's Vincent D'Onofrio you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like, he's amazing in it. And the- uh, it manages to introduce kids to the idea of the 1964 World's Fair, which I approve of, even though it's the mm-hmm. lesser of the two New York World's Fairs, the 39, of course, being the dream. But the this movie, it's like they took that model and they were like, what if the action wasn't fun, the comedy wasn't funny, and the characters were constantly leering at women and ogling and just talking about sex all the time? And it was just a – it's like this movie is a tribute to like steampunk – and boobs and butts, and it manages to not make that fun in the way that it may sound fun in that I, description. I want to take a brief personal no- moment to okay. uh, yeah, yeah. tell a story about what it's like being friends with Elliot Kalin, where where this is a thought that I've had more than once. Like I've on more than one occasion given Elliot some New York World's Fair uh, yeah. memorabilia, uh-huh, yeah. all from and the thirty nine, from my favorite I, one. Yeah, well, good because I because I like the thought I was saying that I have from time to time is. Now, which World's Fair does Elliot like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's- uh, that, would, yeah, that would be one of those question. questions on uh, what the newlywed game when mm-hmm. Elliot and Danielle would be on the newlywed game and they're like, which is your husband's favorite World's Fair? <laughs> you want to you seduce your husband by dressing up as a World's Fair. Which one do you dress up as? And she would know. She would say uh, the 1939 New York World's Fair and In the, the world of tomorrow. And they would go, you're right. You know? <laughs> So let's talk about Wild Wild West, a movie that is, it was baffling to me while watching it to now, see. I'm also glad that you're doing the summary because if I was doing the summary, I would just be reading the lyrics to Will Smith's Wild Wild West featuring Drew Hill. And <laughs> uh, I'd just be reading those lyrics verbatim and you guys would be chiming in. Dan, of course, would be playing the role of Cool Mo D and Elliot, you're Drew Hill all the way. Well, who, who's the one who sings it into the wild wild west, which is the best that's, part of that song. That's True Hill. Yeah, that's True Hill. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah he. That's that's my favorite part of this. It's not a song. I don't like this. The part that goes wild wild west. I don't like that kind that's of. That's the cool Modi part. That's I don't what like I that part do. as much. The same no, way that I, I, I've never liked the like bow wow wow yippee yo yippee. Like I've never. I don't like it when voices sound like that. But I love that that full throated into mm. the yeah. wild yeah. wild west. Yeah. Oh, yeah. makes the just, song. Yeah, just a very good song. I enjoy yeah. like the little backing parts where I get to like do that sort of like you know or like a blue moon like. I've never loved those either. It's amazing to me there was a whole period in in early rock and roll kind of late jazz or, you know, where it was like, well, of course we need a big guy in the back who goes, beep, 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 you know, or something like that. You know, we need more nonsense syllables and deep bass voices. (laughs) (laughs) More, please. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when I I remember the summer this movie came out, seeing this music video a lot, because it was inescapable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and perhaps I was one of those uh, teens at the time. I, I was 19 at the time, so it wouldn't have mattered. But maybe I was one of those kids who bought a ticket to uh, Wild Wild West so I could sneak into American Pie so that Chris Weitz wouldn't get a single dollar from me. <laughs> 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 wow. <laughs> wow. Take it's, that, White. Nothing but nice to us. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I playing the heel. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the many, the Wild Wild West song also, one of the many songs that later on I'm like, 
oh, that's a Stevie Wonder song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, because he's so in many, the video. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I mean, that's why it's, 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 you know what? I said it's a bad song. It's a solid movie tie-in song, you know? I, I mean, like that's, yeah. that's his it, B&B, bread did, and butter. It didn't achieve the heights of the Men in Black song, which is super yeah. danceable, you know? But what are you going to do? But then there was also- uh, That was your the, first dance at your wedding. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was the Men in Black song. Uh-huh. And, and now, you, you dressed up, Black. you and Danielle both dressed up and then pointed uh, little lights at the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that they wouldn't remember the wedding. Yeah, we had a whole, whole choreo. <laughs> I mean, it was a thing. joke. I mean, you don't have a real forget No, we had a real one by accident. It was Why a would you neuralize the whole- Yeah. Uh, is this why I have no then, memory of your wedding? <laughs> then we ro- yeah, that we robbed everybody to pay for the wedding. Yeah, uh, We're like the like the ringmaster in his circus of crime and his hypnotic you hat. son of a bitch. Speaking Dan, I think hip- you're using old fashioned neuralizer, aka booze. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's like the old David Tell joke. Because have you ever blacked out, or as I call it, time travel? <laughs> I, I what I remember of the actual uh, reception. You know, I mostly remember us going to see Piranha 3D earlier in the day. What I remember. Oh, what the, a great day! That was the, the, the greatest day of my life from beginning to end. Honestly, it was mostly being worried that you would fall when they were carrying you around on the chairs. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was my wife was worried about too, that she would fall off that yeah. chair. Because nobody, we didn't have enough, I think, strong Jews because they didn't know how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. We had a lot of yeah. strong Gentiles who were just hurling the chairs up into the air as we were trying to hold on to them. You know? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so anyway, Ugh. let's talk about Wild Wild West. Now that we're done talking about my wedding reception, <laughs> let's talk about Wild Wild West. Uh uh-huh. We begin, it's, the title tells us it's Louisiana, 1869. There's a guy with this weird metal ring around his neck that's running away from a flying circular saw blade that cuts his head off. And uh-huh. then a guy looks at him and is like, well, how about that? And then we get credits. Some that guy, are, Ted Levine, yeah. introduced to some guy. As Ted we will eventually, well, I'm He's the one who's the got character. the steampunk ear Yes, thing, so this, this yeah. character we see, he has an ear, a listening horn attached to the side of his head. We'll later learn it's because he lost an ear in battle during the Civil War. But first we get credits that are, I assume, in the style of the Wild West TV show. And TV I want to ask, show, yeah. guys, I've never seen this show. When the movie was announced, I had never heard of it before. Have you ever seen this show, The Wild Wild West? I, so, okay, yeah. I have seen a little bit of it. The The movie made me aware that it existed. Okay. The, like, because let's back up. Let's set the stage of what it was like when Wild Wild Lost came out. It was summer of 1999. Well, yeah. it was still exciting to see a Western where it was like, but what's different is there's this anachronistic technology in it. Because that was not an idea that has been done so much now that I – Pray for the days of like just having a straightforward version of something. Yeah, that's but the time, this is much much as when The Office came out, characters addressing the camera directly to talk about a scene. Yeah, it's very funny and it very terrified new. audiences. They're like, <laughs> can they see? They ran out of yeah, the like, theater. Oh, oh, oh. They'd run out of their house and they go, "Demons, <laughs> demons!" Yeah, uh, they, that and now it has become cliche to the point that I would love to see a sitcom. I recently started watching The Golden Girls again, and I am. So blown away by how basic and stripped down it is in a in a good way, you know. Dog, if Sophia turned and looked at you and made a quip, you would lose your shit. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be my body and mind wouldn't be able to handle it. I would go, I would go bananas. But but uh, much like Herbie, uh, but but back but you're right, time, Dan. At, now steampunk stuff has become so yes de rigueur, you know that it, it was to exci- the point that I'm assuming most people assume that there was plenty of steampunk garbage in the yeah. Old West. I right. bet that's probably true. Yeah, but um. But that being true, I was then kind of like shocked to learn that it was based on a TV show from the 60s. Like this was I like an idea that felt fresh then had been, you know, 
from something much earlier that had been on television. Like it didn't jive with my idea of like what was on TV at the, that time in yeah. my head, which is, which is, you know, probably wildly wrong because I wasn't there. Wild, wild westly wrong. But it makes uh, sense. In the 60s, they were like, spies are big, westerns are big. Yes. We'll do a western spy show and we'll yeah, have a science fiction yeah. element. We'll mash up. And I- it ran and we'll for call like him Briscoe County Junior. <laughs> oh, if only. And it, it ran, I think, for like four years, but I've never seen an episode of it. And I feel like when this, it's much easier, I'm sure, to watch it now than it was in 1999, when the only way you could watch old TV was Nick at Night or TV Land, or if it had been released on VHS at some point. I don't think there's any way to watch Wild Wild West when, it yeah. came, when the movie came out. Well, that's what I was getting to in the longest way possible. I think that, Nick at Night or A&E at some point did show some, and I tuned in because I'm like, okay, well, I like the premise. Maybe this is better, but I found it very slow in the way a lot of old TV feels Yeah, now. they had a lot of time to, to kill. There was a, it's fun. I mean, this is different because they had a longer time slot to fill, but you watch the old Columbo movies, and there's just a lot of him, like, long phone calls, him getting yeah. from one place to another. You watch the Rockford Files, and there's so much that's him driving from one place <laughs> yes. to another. Yeah, Still yeah. love those shows, but yeah, it's true. Yeah, Very, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's more like relaxing. you're watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or something. Yeah, but, but well, I like it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until the end. Yeah. Not a fan of the end of that movie, but I like okay. everything up to like the last 25 minutes. Okay, so the, after the credits, we're in West Virginia. Captain James West, Will Smith, he's trying to multitask by both spying on the criminal gang of General Bloodbath McGrath, who's, which are loading objects onto a wagon, while also having sex with a woman inside a water tower, like mm -hmm. a half-filled water tower. Mm -hmm. He can't yeah. do both. It turns out even that's too much for— It's a for, very complicated little water tower setup, too. Yes, and until the millennium, he's not going to be able to achieve that those skills of both <laughs> spying on the bad guys and having sex at the same time. Well, this is also setting up that this will be, like, a hornier movie than you expect, and it's yeah. it, it really struck me, I guess, maybe because, I don't know, modern action, big-budget blockbusters have gotten so de-sexed, but I was mm -hmm. like, this is unusual. <laughs> Guys, like, do you realize that like the character's name is Jim West and the movie's called Wild Wild West? I did notice that. I, and he I is did being, notice that. He is being wild wild <laughs> here. joke, that Easter by, egg. <laughs> by having sex on the job. Uh, nope, yeah. But yeah. it's a, a, what I don't know, I'm, I think it's supposed to come off as like, he's this super cool dude. The ladies yeah. love him and he's also a secret agent. But what came and off as to me- by Will Smith. And who played is, by Will Smith, who at that time was probably the coolest man in the world to most yeah. people. Uh, slightly less cool now that he is a, a he's known as the guy who hits people on television. Uh, but the I, th the, I think they're trying to get across that he's a super cool, sexy secret agent. But instead what I got from it was he's bad at his job and he's bad to women. Like he's both a creep yeah. and he's bad as a spy. And yeah. so eventually McGrath's henchmen somehow knock over the water tower. I don't remember how it happens. Accidentally. And, accidentally. And Will drops out naked and has a fight. You know, yeah. he, he covers his, his penis with his hat. Yeah, Meanwhile, well, and thank you to everyone who tweeted at the Flophouse to tell us that you can see Will Smith or more likely the stuntman's uh, testicles yes, and part of his penis at one point. At one part point, of the penis? what part? He, <laughs> you were looking through when he comes down. I noticed it he, when you when you're looking through his legs as he first appears. You can very clearly see the at least the silhouettes of his of his mm -hmm. genitalia, which is again was also like well this movie's being more adult than I expected, but not yeah, in a way that I'm enjoying. <laughs> you know. Uh, Meanwhile, across town at a brothel saloon type place, General McGrath, Bloodbath McGrath himself, the man with the ear horn attached to his head, he mm -hmm. is he's kind of trading a kidnapped Played person. By TV hunk, Monk's boss, <laughs> Ted Levine. <laughs> yeah, Ted, uh, he is trading like a person who's trapped in a box 
for guns or something, for weapons. And yeah. he's being watched by our other hero, Artemis Gordon, played by Kevin Klein. He's a U.S. Marshal who is undercover in drag and through a series of events manages to hypnotize McGrath with these swirling gadgets <laughs> hidden in his fake boobs. And he means to get some information mm-hmm. for McGrath. He's like, yep. where did you take the kidnapped scientist? And instead, he just makes McGrath act like a dog, which was not what he intended. Uh, but he that that psychosexual drama of a man who's been <laughs> hypnotized into a dog after being seduced is interrupted mm-hmm. by Jim West swinging in and interrupting them that leads to a big brawl, <laughs> which eventually ends with a shadowy, top-hatted bad guy pushing a wagon full of nitroglycerin down a hill and into the brothel, which explodes. Our mm-hmm. heroes survive with no problem. The next well, scene, we just I see do- West riding a horse down the street, and it's like, okay, so I guess explosions don't stop them. I do love how, like, the explosion happens. Scene over, that's it. We just cut to something else. It's like- yes. The, yes. the least uh, professional I've seen one of these cuts. If someone once described to me, or not described to me, I was reading an article where they're talking about how abruptly a movie ends. And they were like, imagine if, I forget where it was. I wish I could give them credit. Imagine if in Star Wars, it's the whole Death Star trench scene. Luke fires the missiles, the Death Star blows up. And in mid-explosion, it goes freeze frame. And then the credits roll. And that's the <laughs> end of the movie. Like that's kind of what it feels like right here. This this building, it explodes. And it's just like, we're done with it. On to the next scene. Who cares? You know? Yeah, and this introduces, but does not justify in my mind, uh, Jim West and uh, Kevin Klein's character, Artemis Gordon, Gordon, the two of theirs working relationship, which is one of the main things I found irritating about this movie in general, is they're trying to set up a classic sort of mismatch, like, oh, okay, well, like, there's the the man of action and the man of ideas. Yes. And it's weird because it's not like the elements aren't there, but the movie expects you to jump right to finding them like being mad at each other and pulling shit on each other like charming and fun rather than my reaction is like you guys are supposed to both be like the best. You're supposed to be yes. professionals and you're constantly like undermining the mission by undermining each other in a way that is just irritating to watch. Well, rather than their styles clashing, they just don't like each other personally. Yeah, and they're like yeah. constantly trying to kick each other off of the train that's taking them on the mission and stuff. So so we cut to West inexplicably not exploded, but fine. He arrives <laughs> at the White House where like a butler tries to stop him from entering, I guess because he's black, but he's there for an appointment. So it-, it, it Tries it, to I, stop him from entering to see the president with a gun. Yes, yeah. So he and, uh, pulls oh, an yes. extra gun. That's, so he pulls a second gun. He says, you're going to let me into the present with this gun. I have a second gun. Which, but he's by also, the way, that's if you want to introduce a character and show that he's cool, don't have him do that. Yeah. Have yeah. them disarm him and keep finding guns. That's yeah. always the or, right answer. Or have him, or have them take the guns and then he's got some. Uh, he's got a knife on him, or he's yeah, or I he's mean, some good with kung fu or something. You know, removing the presumed racism from the equation. I do. I think that that's a perfectly valid thing to want to do is to remove a gun <laughs> before Dan, someone remind you, meets with the president. But Dan, I'll remind you, this is happening four years after the previous president or two presidents ago was shot in the head by a gun <laughs> and murdered. So. Maybe guns are cool now. I don't know. Maybe they're like, yeah. hey, you need yeah, that gun in case somebody passed. else with a gun. Comes. Yeah. They're like, that was four years ago. We don't care anymore. Uh, yeah, it's, the I NRA say, lobby is pretty strong at this point. And I wish I could say walking into the White House with guns all over him is the least cool thing that Will Smith is going to do in this movie. But it's like it barely registers by the end. Yeah. Uh, we have not gotten to the part, which we will get to, where 
he he just plays a woman's uh, boobs like bongo drums <laughs> because he assumes it's it's Kevin Klein in drag. Anyway, we'll get to that. It's so dumb. So he arrives. He's going to see President Ulysses S. Grant, who turns out to be Kevin Klein in disguise. And then the real President Grant, who is also played by Kevin Klein, walks in. And so Kevin Klein has dual roles in this. He plays Artemis Gordon and Ulysses S. Grant, and he often plays Artemis Gordon pretending to be Ulysses S. Yeah, Grant, I, which should be funny, but it's not It's not. Funny. It's not. It's not funny, but it does show Kevin Klein's acting skill. That I like that Artemis Gordon playing Ulysses S. Grant is like this hammy impression yes. of the much more realistic Ulysses S. Grant that, that he does. Yes. I could have used it a, a touch hammier, personally. Mm. Maybe, but I, there's a real difference between the two. You can tell when it's Artemis playing Grant and when it's Kevin yeah. Klein playing Grant. And I th- and I think that's. I mean, Kevin Klein's a great actor. You know, we don't need to. You don't need to hear from me. He's a, he's a fant- he's an amazing actor, and mm-hmm. he is. Let's just say, like, misused by this film. But everything is misused <laughs> yes. by the film. Uh, so. Grant says, you have to work together. There's a mysterious bad guy who hired McGrath to kidnap all these scientists, and they're making super weapons for him, and now he's demanding control of the U.S. government. They sent us a letter. And Weston Gordon, as as Dan said, they hate each other, but they got to stop him because Grant has to go hammer in the final golden spike to complete the transcontinental railroad. So we know what the climax is going to be. Yeah, there's a ticking clock. Gordon's all about machines. He's a regular Donatello. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a steampunk motorcycle that's like a big bone shaker. Yeah, he's got with a the big mind wheel on the front. of gears and and uh, pistons or whatever. Like he Star doesn't Mind. go as far as to having gears on his hat, but he does have goggles on his hat, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's got a train car full of traps and gadgets, and also in the train car as the conductor, M. Emmett Walsh, in a char- mm, as a character yeah. who literally never needs to be in the movie. There is no <laughs> is plot reason coal ever. man. I love that he's coal man who shovels mm-hmm. coal into the train. He is 100% yeah. there to react to various things, Yes. which he does in a funny way. I don't like that a lot of what he's reacting to is gay panic humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get to but, that, yeah. But his ability as a comic reaction man is is, is good, at least. Yeah, <laughs> Even and, though the again, jokes are not good. M.M. Walsh. Again, like, there's no— We're, we're going to keep going through this episode saying, like, no surprise. This performer is a great performer. But yeah, he's not, exactly. not best used by Wild Wild This is a Wild Wild <laughs> Best. Some would, say, some would say Wild Wild Worst. But anyway, uh, so uh, they, they, uh, they the have— the Wild Wild Blurst of time? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid monkeys. Uh <laughs> There is a uh, it's a Simpsons reference. Uh, I'm not calling Dan a monkey uh, or Stuart for that matter. Uh, oh, so yeah, you, you're both you are both humans. You both stand erect. You don't live in trees. You know, Stuart, cool. I've been meaning to pay you that compliment as well. Wow, I'm not Elliot, calling you a monkey. And Elliot sniped you. Now it just sounds like you're piggybacking. Yeah, yeah. Now it, it, you've, you've cheapened it. Thank you, Dan. So uh, somehow Kevin Klein has gotten a hold of the severed head of the scientist that was killed early on, and they're able to use light to project the image stored on its retinas, which is the last thing that the dead person see. This is okay. an old myth that goes back to medieval times, I think, that you could see the, the image. It of happened the last at a medieval saw. times restaurant? <laughs> yes, it goes back to a medieval times restaurant. That's how they got the idea for the restaurant, yeah, is that someone in it, they had a fake jousting area and they're mm-hmm. like, something's missing and they found a severed head that at last looked at a chicken leg and a and a big bowl <laughs> of soup that you had to pick up with your hands and wow. sit down. Tomato yeah. soup, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so using you that all image, your life without knowing these things, and then yeah. someone, and then someone tells you, you, and then your life is never the same. Uh, <laughs> so go, they see this image of McGrath, and they're able to magnify this. This retina has amazing f- recording mm-hmm. fidelity. They're able to magnify and see an invitation sticking out of his pocket to a New Orleans costume ball. And it's funny because West this whole time has been like, "We got to get to New Orleans. We got to get to New Orleans." And they find this invitation. They were already going there. 
Like, it's unnecessary. Mm. They argue yeah. about disguises, which leads to this, the dumbest, least funny scene I think maybe <laughs> I've ever seen in a movie, where, as Dan says, they, what they're saying, talking about uh, Kevin Klein's fake breast costume, is overheard by M. Emmett Walsh, and he assumes he's overhearing them having sex with each other and is horrified by it. And well, it but is also, just, I mean, specifically, it's, it's so uh, bad. Kevin it's so Klein bad. asking uh, him to uh, like feel my breast and stuff like that. Oh, I, I and feel it. It's hard. Yeah, and stuff back, like that. Backwards, they you know mm-hmm. goes both ways. Yeah, the bosom it's, feeling. It's 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 terrible. It's a terrible. It's a terrible. Scene. <laughs> it's a terrible so, scene. So uh, Jim West, he sneaks into that party. He is he is uh, stopped for a moment by Bai Ling, who is playing the assistant to Doctor Arlo Loveless. So West real. Goes, Flashback which, to see Bai Ling and something and remember yeah. that. Like, and, oh, and, there was a time Which that, I'm glad that he, when he introduces himself, she introduces herself by her last name, which is East. And I'm like, great. Now we got more racist jokes, too. Yeah, and she cool. goes, and she keeps, she's kind of flirting with him. She goes, East meets West. And it's like, uh, all right, this is this is no good. Now, when you hear, <laughs> she, she goes, I'm the assistant to Dr. Arlo Loveless. This is a name we have never heard in the movie before now. And West mm-hmm. goes, oh, I thought he was dead. And it's like- are we supposed to, is this backstory we were supposed to know something mm-hmm. about? Like, it's a poor way to include this. Finally, I mean, meet- again, I only know because I've heard the Wild Wild West song by Will Smith featuring yes. Drew Hill like a million times. So, <laughs> uh-huh. where he describes Loveless in detail. Yeah, he does. And he we're going to need some of that detail because, yeah. Stuart, Loveless shows up. And this is Kenneth Branagh. Stuart, can you describe for us? Dr. Arlo Loveless, the villain, villain of the villain. That's not a villain. Yeah, that's a, that's a villain. That's a villain crossed with a pavilion. Yeah. <laughs> well, where to start? I mean, uh, we could start with his accent, which is a loving, a lovingly uh, created <laughs> Southern drawl. We could <laughs> yeah. talk about his facial hair, which would put to shame. Uh, Jackson Galaxy, the cat daddy, <laughs> or uh, his, his, his facial hair like seemed a- like. He, v for like, Vendetta mask. Yeah, it looks like a Guy Fox mask. Like yeah. he had red V for Vendetta because I don't think the movie had come out yet. And he was like, cool, cool, anarchy, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to me, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got long flowing black hair. He wears uh, cool little outfits. Unfortunately, he's missing his legs, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's missing his body below about his tummy button. Uh, and below that, he is connected to like a steampunk wheelchair that he drives around. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And he's <laughs> always uh, surrounded by a bevy of beautiful sort of hench maidens. Hench yeah. maidens wearing kind of like bordello bustier yeah. attire, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he has this flamboyantly evil confederate. He rides a steampunk wheelchair. He's missing his waist, waist uh, his body from the waist down. And very, he's, the- it's like like a Bond villain that crosses into like Austin Powers villain territory. Yes, and this first sequ- like, there's so many bad moments in this movie, but his first interaction with West where he makes a series of racist puns and West mm-hmm. makes a series of disabled wordplay puns to mm-hmm. both get each other is <laughs> disgusting. Like it is this objectively is, disgusting. Everything this about is it. An unpleasant movie. Uh, I mean like we should have known it was unpleasant at the time. It's extra unpleasant now. I like everything is Bad racial humor, bad gay panic humor, bad, like bad disabled disability humor. humor yeah, like, and and I, the constant and the constant and look, I'll let me put all my cards on the table. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I like looking at women and their bodies. I'm attracted to them. I think they're beautiful. But this movie is mm-hmm. so leering and so ogling in a way that is like makes me feel icky. You know that yeah. it it I feels weird it. to do it. It feels weird to do it in a big budget action adventure comedy. Uh, it, it feels gross to me. Yeah. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. 
Yep. Well, I mean, it, it feel it feels gross because it's so unmotivated. Like, yeah. I, I like, I agree. Like, an adult, I'm not a Zoomer or whatever. Like, I'm an, I'm, I'm you're an elder millennial. Think, we know you're not a, Zoom, a Boomer or a Zoomer. Tail indexer, yeah. but you know, like, yeah, I, you're a Gen Xer, right? I'm, yeah, you're probably a Gen. Yeah, Dan, there's a real generation divide between me and elder millennial and you, a Gen Xer. Yeah, I'm I all know. about that hustle. Do? I'm all about making my brand, and you're all about I'm like, hey man, yeah. let's listen to the single soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, no, but reality what I was say, does like, bite when you look at it. I I like sex in movies when it's motivated. Mm-hmm. Like unlike see it seems all like the, the Brian De Palma movies the current that I've watched generation recently. does not. <laughs> but but like you have to buy in. Like you're buying yeah. into like a certain type of thing, and like it is weird when it's like this feels odd in this film. <laughs> I, you know what it you feels know? like? Is it feel it feels adolescent? It like it yeah. feels like it, there's a lack of. Not that, uh, not that you can't be funny around sex. Not that you can't even be gross funny about sex. But like, it feels like, uh, like, like, and I'm sh- it, adults made this movie, but it doesn't feel adult. It feels kind of like, <laughs> like boobs, <laughs> like that kind yeah. of thing. You know. Uh, so Guys, anyway, not to not to, uh, not to change the tempo at all, but I will say that Kenneth Branagh gives a performance. In this I wanted movie. to say it's, this too. It, and again, uh, this uh, uh, Dan, you say so- what you're going to say, and I'm probably going to say the same thing. Oh, just that, like, I don't know that this is. In fact, I wouldn't, I'd say this is not a good performance, but this man realizes that he is in a bad cartoon of a movie and yes. gives a performance that hits that tone. Better yes. than his performance as Hamlet? Maybe. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd go that far necessarily. Uh, the, it's, uh, but he is, I agree that like, they, they, when this movie came out, I'm sure he got critiqued for like being big and over the top. But I, and yeah. I, I feel like critical understanding has come around to the idea that like, if you're in a bad movie, go big. Like be be big and be be memorable, or like put energy into it. Be Especially silly. considering yeah. he had to do this whole role like on his knees, even though you don't see them. But he yeah. had to be like kneeling the whole time. And there's so, so many end- times. There's so many times when he's in the wheelchair and it's spinning around, and like he has to perform these monologues while he is literally spinning around. Like it's ridiculous, you know. And like he had to like keep taking breaks because his legs <laughs> would fall asleep. Yeah. Like that's commitment, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's Lon Chaney Sr. type stuff. When Lon Chaney Sr. did a movie called The Penalty, where he was playing a character who had the bottom half of his legs amputated, and the way he did it was he bent his leg. He made these kind of like fake stump legs that he then bent his leg backwards in so that he could, Ugh. so he was constantly walking on his knees and he would do this for hours and it, you know, it, it would hurt him really badly. And so like, there's a reason people don't do that anymore because yeah, yeah. it's bad for you. But yeah, and well, also if, I don't know, sometimes if you're looking for a character with a specific thing, maybe hire an actor that has that thing. Yes, that's true. I think it's, yeah, that's, uh, that's also a possibility that they did not look into, I'm sure. But I think we can all say Kenneth Rana did his best with this, Terrible, with the terrible yep. opportunity. With what was given. handed him, yes. Yeah. Indeed. So, uh, so speaking of Kenneth Branagh, he then makes a big entrance, literally exploding out of a giant paper mache <laughs> Abraham Lincoln head, which you and, must have loved. You were like, I love this crap. No, what was weird was they started the band starts playing Battle Hymn of the Republic, and uh-huh. I was like, I was, and I was literally thinking at the time, this makes no sense to play at this Confederate ball. Like they yeah. would not like. But then he explodes out of an Abraham Lincoln head and he goes, "I hate that song." And yeah. Did like, you okay, did you bring? Uh, then he goes, did you bring remix. <laughs> did you bring your son who uh, who you is named lovingly after Abraham Lincoln? You brought him in. You're like, look, there's your namesake. And then, yeah, his, and then head his head explodes. explodes. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're I, like, I, whoops, I, get out of here, get out of here. Shield your eyes. Oh, for a second, 
I thought Elliot was confused about whether the shooter was in the home <laughs> yeah. with him. <laughs> it's happening again. Take cover, take cover. Yeah. It's the office all over again. Yeah. <laughs> it's the office all over again. They can see me through the through the screen. Uh so anyway, uh that's not what happened. Uh so uh, he goes in and Loveless, Thank you. Loveless has his interaction with West. Loveless meets with McGrath. And then after the meeting is like, meet me at this other place. So West goes to, to where they had Loveless and McGrath had just met. He snoops around and Bai Ling catches him and she tries to seduce him. So of course we get literally a close-up upskirt of her butt. Like it's, yeah. again, it's, this is a, it's a leering movie. And West realizes that it's a trap and shoots a bunch of gunmen. Bai Ling is killed in the crossfire, and West does not give it a second thought. He just walks out of that room. And yeah. then I think a dead body falls from the ceiling. It's supposed to be, like, funny. And it's like, well, a bunch of people just died. You know, well, this is – it reminds the, me of I, – I finally saw Dial of Destiny, and I was like, these are the mo- maybe the most trigger-happy bad guys I've seen in a major motion picture in a long time. They just are constantly killing everybody, except the two people – that it would make the most sense yeah, to kill yeah. the heroes that are getting in their way. They refuse to kill them, but they'll kill everybody else. Well, that's and what you don't know about Indiana Jones. He, he, he clouds men's mind. He, he, oh, he, he exudes sort of just this field around he, him. He learns this mystic this mystic power in the far yeah, east yeah, in yeah, his yeah. adventures. Yeah. No, the, I just wanted to say uh, the shooters, just because it's one of the few brief moments of any sort of visual gag that works. Yeah, it's a cool, clever moment, yeah. In the film, uh, the shooters are, like, hidden in the paintings. Like, a person, like, turns out you thought was just, you know, someone hunting out uh, in the scrub. And he points the rifle towards... Uh, West. That anyway. is a cool thing. It means that they're just standing there all day in case <laughs> yes, someone, wa- in case a bad guy wanders in. But that is a cool visual. Uh, meanwhile, he goes downstairs. He sees a woman who vaguely looks like Kevin Klein in drag, but she's wearing a mask, and is like, "Oh, it's you again, huh? Let me ruin the mission by calling you out and play your boobs like bongo drums." <laughs> and the actual Kevin Klein, who's disguised as a mountain man, yells out, "Hang him!" So now one of our heroes has just has just called for the other hero to be lynched for harassing a white woman. And it's yes. like, I was like movie, mm. it, it felt like mm. I was sinking ever this, deeper into just sludge and and, so and toxic waste. Ugh. The intent of this moment, I believe, is that it's more high-spirited hijinks. He knows that Wes can take care of himself. He needs a distraction, so he's, yeah. but the I'll get everybody to leave. I'll get everybody to leave the house so I can snoop around. Exactly. So, so I'll just have the. I'll have. I'll put the other hero in a situation where he's going to be lynched. Well, that's the thing. The, like, the, the realities of American history are too ugly for this scene to work as anything other than horrifying. To <laughs> yes, be like, yeah, oh well, it. now Will Smith has been accused of sexually harassing a white woman in the old South, in the antebellum South. What is going to happen? No, no, he's well, like it's, standing. The, it's, the, it's the postbellum South. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. And 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 uh and he's standing next to a literal noose and you're like, what the fuck are you doing, Wild Wild West? Yeah, yeah. they do, do like they do put works? him up there next to the noose and he does drop like a you know, like a decent tight five to the assembled crowd. Like he's telling jokes, he's trying to get him on his side. Yeah. Yeah, he he has to try to talk his way out of it and he almost does it, but the the jokes he's saying are not funny. Like it really no, of is not, not Yeah, so now it's Well, that's oh, another damn, thing. Sorry, I wanted to say about the movie is like Will Smith, like obviously extremely charismatic performer, as we said before, like up until this point couldn't do no wrong. This movie sort of- This was the fresh Prince, Dan. Princes don't mm-hmm. get fresher. Yeah. Nope. But like nothing in this movie is played with any sense of like stakes or whether anyone has any concern at any point. 
during it really like any in any way that feels any kind of grounded and i feel like this movie deserves like kevin klein and will smith so much by having like kevin klein is just kind of a jerk to will smith the whole time and will smith like runs through doing the laziest version of his sort of blithe like i don't care about anything that's happening attitude but too much like nothing feels like it has any weight at all yeah 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 Anyway, sorry, I didn't have to go off that long. But well, the movie is both. uh, It's it's the characters are acting. They never come off as cool and like suave. But the movie is also never exciting or putting them in. I guess there's one scene later on where they're falling and they keep and it cuts to close ups of them going ah, which is my least favorite thing a movie can do. I think possibly. (laughs) Uh, Okay, but uh, but and then at that point at least they're excited about what's going on. They're scared. So now it's Gordon's turn to snoop. And he goes into a bedroom and finds Selma Hayek in lingerie in a giant birdcage. And we'll find out that she's Rita, the daughter, she says, of one of the kidnapped scientists who was trying to find this kidnapped scientist Mm -hmm, scientist who mm -hmm. became part of Loveless's harem slash bodyguard. And together, they save West from being lynched. And, you know, it's they they all get away. To talk about Selma Hayek's performance, I feel like the whole time, I kept expecting there to be an extra layer to her yes. character, like there was a twist. And I think that's, she injected all of that because there is no extra layer over the course there of the movie. There is no kind of an extra layer at the very end when, spoiler, you learn that this person that uh, she's been wanting to rescue is not her father, but her husband. And I guess the implication is she didn't tell them this because like she knows that by playing like her sex appeal, like they will be more invested maybe in it if like they think they have a shot with her. Mm, but they sucks. but they tell her at the end, like you could have told us this from the beginning. And I, you know and what? Also, they As were already on person, the mission. They were already I, on the mission. Exactly. I believe that. I believe yeah. that they totally would have done it, the same thing if this was not being dangled. So it, was, it is such a weird, this, unnecessary thing at the end. Yeah, that well, this carrot will somehow empower them like Popeye spinach to do yeah. the job better. But I think you're right, Stuart, that Selma Hayek is, is injecting a little bit of extra something to this character because if anyone in this movie is given nothing to do, it's Selma Hayek in this Well, one. yeah, the only thing that she's given to do is to be like sexy in kind of a daffy way. She's, a, she's and essentially like, she's like a- good. Good at it, you know, but that's yeah, it. But she, she's just in this. The movie treats her essentially as a cleavage delivery, yeah, mechanism, you know. Uh, which again, she's also super talented. Like she's great when you give her the opportunity to be great, and she can do like. And uh, I don't want to sound like a creep, but she can yep. do sexy in like really in- intriguing way. I mean, like. The movie, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of From Dawn Till Dusk because I feel like it gets a little too silly you, you for me. You even get the name wrong. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, From Dusk Till Dawn, you're right. From Dawn Till Dusk <laughs> is like just a regular day. Regular, you know, working hours. <laughs> yeah, From Dawn Till Dusk is you wake up, you, you go to work, you come back home. Uh-huh. From, also from known Dusk, as nine to five. <laughs> but it, What when, a way to make a living. When she shows up in From Dusk Till Dawn, it's such an intense blast of kind of like, just like sexual power in a mm-hmm. way that I, that just, it's a weird movie, but that, uh, I guess Robert Rodriguez is able to harness that in a way that adds this like power and mystique to her that instantly she's in control of the movie from in that in those moments. And here, it is a it weird movie because like all of a sudden a bunch of vampires show up. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tom Savini's in front of the camera? Yeah, none of it makes sense. Tom Savini in an acting role? Vamps? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, and he has that. It's Tom Savini, right? Who has the uh, who has that gun in his crotch? Yeah, sex uh, machine. That yeah. has that has two six. Two chambers, which doesn't, which makes sense to make them look like testicles, but it's not how a gun works. 
Like you wouldn't mm, have like mm, two mm, revolving mm. barrels. Maybe instead of chambers. Maybe they're they, they're like gears. Like there's like a they space like between the barrel, the interlock barrels. That right. seems like I, it I, probably I, would jam a lot. I mean, though. I'm, I'm not a gunsmith, but I think that would jam a lot. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> are you a gunsmith uh, cat? Yeah, Sir no, jam a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Jamalot. I feel like no. Sir Jamalot feels like a, like a real early '80s rapper, like early mid '80s rapper when hip hop's pretty new. Yeah. <sighs> Where oh, were Sir we? Sir Jamalot from Camelot. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a there's a there's a there's another rapper he partners with named like King Arthur, and it's like spelled differently. And oh man, this, I'll say this one thing: this I, is some I'm not, like early sitcom rap reference type <laughs> yeah, stuff. No, this I'm, is some I'm, real I'm, mid-sized sedan shit you're coming up with. <laughs> mid-sized sedan, that's so funny. I was thinking about this recently that I'm not a big hip hop fan; it's just not my kind of music. But I do love the spellings that go into the names <laughs> of rappers and their albums. I'm going to do it I, for the spellings. <laughs> I really love it. I love the malleability of the English language there. I've not, I, I wish I liked the music more because I love the spellings and the posturing so so much. The same with, now, with, it. to me, it's like professional wrestling where I love the characters, I love the trash talk, don't like the wrestling. What do you think fan. of the spelling of Tory spelling? Oh, I mean, the way it's spelled, sure, yeah, it works. Yeah. You can you can read sure. it, yeah. So, okay, McGrath, okay. Soldiers. A plus. <laughs> so, <getting> back <laughs> to the movie. Elliot. Yeah. We get back to uh, A plus for Tori Spelling's way of spelling. So we get back to get back to the movie after the longest, dumbest digression I think we've had in a while. Uh, so uh, Bloodbath McGrath, his soldiers are assembling in the night, but it's a trap. Arlo Loveless sends this kind of steampunk tank to massacre all of them. Uh, and it's a way of showing off what his new weaponry can do because he wants to sell it to these foreign dignitaries that are with him. Loveless kills McGrath, and he announces his plans. He's going to take over America, and he's going to sell his weapons to these foreign countries. Our heroes show up just a little bit too late to catch him, uh, but they recognize the massacre site. West recognizes the carnage as similar to that of a freedman's town called New Liberty that had previously been slaughtered. That was what Bloodbath McGrath apparently got his name for, yeah. was slaughtering this town of freedmen. Uh, and West finds the dying McGrath who says, no, it was Loveless who was responsible for both massacres. Bump, bump, bum. Uh, and uh, this is the only scene in the movie that gets mentioned in a Barry Sonnenfeld's memoirs. And he mentions that the tank kept breaking down and they were using Civil War reenactors who were very frustrating to him because they kept saying, that's not how we would do it. If this was really the Civil War, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And he was like, "This is a cartoon movie. Like, who cares?" Uh, Rita is like, "Oh, when I was with Loveless's bodyguards, I overheard them talking about going to Utah. So that's where we've got to head next." Our heroes go there on the train. It gives Gordon a lot of opportunities to lust after Rita and for Rita overhear him. And Rita gets Gordon gets embarrassed. Rita alternately flirts with both of our heroes, but no, there's no chemistry at all. It's less a love triangle yeah. and more three love points that are having trouble organizing themselves and can't get into a shape. Well, yeah. some more realistic two horny guys and woman who's not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Triangle. Yeah. And, and West is annoyed. He's like, Rita's distracting you from the mission. But the whole, literally all of this is basically just an excuse for Selma Hayek to wear long johns where the back door is falling open so you can see her butt through them. That, that's basically why this exists. Dan, mm-hmm. had, as a lover of butts, how did you feel about this? It's well, basically like a Playboy one-panel cartoon. This is, this <laughs> is, yes, a, this yes, is very a, much so. This is some leering. I, I remember liking this as a leering Kid, I, I do find it a little more uncomfortable. That was now. your old West name. Your gunfighter name was the Leering Kid. You're always losing gunfights because you're too busy leering at ladies. I kind of like this sort of like cutesy nudity, though. Like there's something uh-huh. sort of sweet about this in the way that there isn't about just being like, and now here's Bai Ling's ass, you know, in the way that they just <laughs> That's true, I shot guess. that. Uh, so there you go. That's my butt opinion. I know you okay. come to me okay. to be the butt yeah, bird. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. Cracking news. 
<laughs> Thanks, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what Wallace was talking about every time when he said, when yeah. he said that? I didn't realize. Okay, the next morning— uh, Gordon reveals, oh, I added some gadgets to your clothes, Jim West, while you were sleeping, which is weird. And uh, Loveless's tank on a train ambushes their train. There's a lot of steampunk stuff. Uh, and in perhaps the moment that I think best defines the movie, if you wanted this movie to be boiled down to one moment, Loveless's henchwoman fires an enormous steampunk harpoon gun at our <laughs> hero's train while mm-hmm. Loveless is just staring at her butt, talking about her butt. That is, this moment, it's like, this is the whole movie in a couple yeah. seconds is steampunk harpoon gun and the and one of the male characters <laughs> just kind of, just looking in, from inches away at a woman's butt and going, I've got a good view or whatever he says, you know. Oh no, she goes, I've got them in my sights. And he's like, I do too. And it's like, ugh. Gross. Come on. Now, does he say it like that? Or? I think he does. Yeah, that's, I mean, okay. that's his his performance. is a lot of like, well, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. So, uh, uh, the, yeah, and then uh, Selma Hayek knocks them all out with their own gadget. And then uh, we have another well, one of it, those abrupt cuts we love so much. It's a gadget that West meant, that, uh, that Gordon mentioned earlier. It's a billiard ball full of sleeping gas. Rita knocks them out. Yeah, abrupt cut. Uh, West and Gordon wake up sitting on the ground fitted with those metal collars that we saw in the sciences earlier. And it does feel like a scene is missing. Like there should be a, a title screen that says real missing. And then suddenly you're <laughs> onto this scene uh, like Planet Terror or something like that. Not yeah. to bring in another Robert Rodriguez film. Uh, oh, man, so, we're all about it. Yeah. Loveless takes a moment to brag about how he invented a metal prosthetic penis for himself so that he can have sex. Then mm-hmm. leaves to go assassinate Ulysses S. Grant. And our heroes – they get chased by the circular saw blades through a cornfield, uh, and they they escape by. It turns out they have magnets in their collars that the yeah, saw blades so the, are attracted to. I remember seeing clips from this in the trailer and in the music video, and I was surprised at how short this sequence was. Yeah, it's very short. Well, there's there's a surprising lack of action in this action yeah. movie, and so they really made the most of this. They escape by jumping into a crevasse full of mud leading them to argue a lot and their magnets get stuck together and, and so forth. But that mud, I mean, that looks, that's, it there's might be poop. poop. That's a lot that, that's, of poop. They never make a joke about it smelling or it being poop. Yes. And so I, I couldn't tell if it was mud or poop. I did not care to do the research but the to find slurry, out. I didn't read I the novelization to see how they described it. Felt it felt like probably, mm-hmm. I'm but not saying it's all poop, but farm animals, <laughs> you know, it has washed into this crevasse. Sure, sure, possible. That's, uh, yeah. That night, they finally get the magnets off because Jim Jim Gordon, fi- oh, not Jim Gordon, whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> Artemis Gordon, he finds his- he Now finds that's his, a fucking crossover. Jim yeah. Gordon shows up. <laughs> they, oh, what man. time am I? <laughs> I need to get back. <laughs> so that yeah, he yeah. finds- Jim Gordon shows up. He's like, I'm in a world with no bat signal. What am I going to do? <laughs> oh, no. It's my one move. <laughs> <laughs> the only yeah, yeah. thing if I know how in, to do. If they put Jim Gordon in an Injustice game, his one special move is bat signal. I mean, but you know that like, a, you know that some kind of Wild West Batman would show up. They they there was a Batman oh, Elseworlds yeah. called I think the Blue, the Gray, and the get, Bat that was a, had an Old West Batman. So oh, we're gonna get some cool. angry nerds and then writing instead in of like, like a Batmobile, Jim Gordon he rides a, a bat horse. <laughs> bat horse. He might have had a bat horse. Yeah. Uh, well, there is a bat horse in the comics, right? I don't know. In the old ones. <laughs> Wow, you really infuriated Stuart. Now, when I say I bat horse, I, don't know. I, I mean a horse wearing a Batman mask. I don't know the cooler yeah, thing, yeah. which would be a horse with enormous bat wings. That would be yeah. awesome. That's the kind yeah, of thing yeah, Elric yeah. would ride around on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the fucking uh, brain gremlin showed up and squirted <laughs> the juice on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the like brain the gremlin juice? is also in the Old West for some reason. <laughs> oh, no. I can't stop. <laughs> oh, no. History will be changed forever. Well, this is kind of like a time vortex. All people get drawn. All 
travelers get drawn to this one nexus. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. man things, uh, nexus of all realities. Yeah. We'll, we'll fix the problem. We'll bring gremlins in here. <laughs> they always Gordon help. is like, okay, Wes, this is my plan. It might not work. We need to bring some gremlins in. Won't they get you in the end? No, no, they won't. You're thinking are, you're thinking of ghoulies. What you got here is a ghoulie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that, oh, no, that's a different. I'm gonna have to call a different specialist for that. Now I'm imagining Dan, you're you're Robert Shaw in Jaws, and they're trying to figure out how to get rid of the ghoulies. And he scratches <laughs> his nails, and goes, "I'll get your ghoulie. I'll, I'll, I'll find your ghoulies. I'll find them and catch them for even more money." Uh, He's just he standing just, above the toilet with a harpoon. <laughs> <laughs> you ever hear the story of the USS Indianapolis's toilets? <laughs> the sharks started coming up through the through the toilets. Anyway, ah, it's a black, <laughs> but yeah, poop like dolls poop, black, lifeless. Oh, you know. Anyway, so the uh, so that was gross. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they escape. They start arguing with each other, but then it's nighttime. They bond around a campfire. West explains that he ran away from slavery as a child, and his birth parents, and he was raised by indigenous people of the desert. His birth parents were among those killed at by Loveless at New Liberty. So that's why it's personal. For him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also see a CGI wasp kill a CGI spider in perhaps the most blatant foreshadowing of what's going to happen later in the movie. It was, cool. and it comes out of nowhere. It's not done organically. Anyway, they eventually, they- Not, yep. not as good as the CGI scorpion fight in what, five million miles to Graceland or whatever, but it's pretty close. <laughs> in, in, in 20 million miles to Graceland, the one where yeah, yeah, the yeah. emir uh, falls from space to Graceland. <laughs> yeah. uh, if uh, Ray Harryhausen's only work with Elvis. Uh, so mm-hmm. eventually they find Loveless's hidden city in Spider Gulch, uh, where scientists have built him an enormous steampunk spider. It has a super cannon on it. Producer John Peter's dream has come to life. Finally, uh, he can he can rest. He can his thousand year <laughs> sleep can return, uh, and he can return to his 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 pyramid tomb. You what know? do you guys think of this 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 big honking spider? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> In a better yeah, I think movie, it's fine. I would love it's this cool. spider. It looks pretty cool. It moves pretty cool. It's it's got lots of gears and stuff. Like it's a yep. neat thing. What do you think? Yeah. Stuart? Yeah, it seems pretty cool. I mean, it shakes around a lot. It feels like it wouldn't be a particularly comfortable mode of conveyance, but that's no, okay. That's true. It's a uh, weapon of war, I guess. No, I mean, it has the same problem that the, you know, the AT-ATs have where you're like, what, why build a walker when the wheel exists? But That's true. Sure. Yeah. Maybe well, Loveless is tired of wheels. Mm-hmm. He's on, yeah. he, he's on I mean, you just time. invalidated like all robo anime, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying, as a question, I have. I'm not saying that it, maybe there's a there's a good reason. I guess I mean, it's it probably is, better it, for all terrain. But it's like know? in a, in Pacific Rim where they're like, there was only one weapon that could stop them: giant robot people. <laughs> giant. Just like I don't know. It seems like a less efficient way to attack something. <laughs> Why not just a big gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we have we have nuclear missiles. I feel like a giant robot's fist is not as effective in destroying a monster, but okay. Well, at the end of, um, was it Jurassic World or Jurassic World 2? Jurassic, the second Jurassic World where the dinosaurs are free and they're like, uh-oh, can humanity stand up to these dinosaurs? And it's like, we're great at just destroying things with guns. Like, Stuart, yeah, dinosaurs yeah, yeah. don't have weapons, you know? Stony-faced, you're like ruining all of his yeah, treasured. Yeah. yeah, ask all, yeah, ask the blue whale how well it's doing. <laughs> oh, ask sad. all the other macro animals. Yeah, macro all the, all the, all the, the megafauna that we have we have gotten rid of. Yeah, let us let me see. Can humans defeat these big animals? Let me ask the giant ground sloth. Uh, let mm-hmm. me find one. Hold on a sec. Yeah, so, are there, okay. is, there, is there a way to eat it? Or <laughs> can we render... <laughs> Components of its body to fuel our society. Yeah, early early humans were like, can we eat it? 
Can we use its skin for something, or would it be funny to kill it? Yeah, we and that's see, the yeah. reason they would kill things. <laughs> we see the dinosaurs, and we're like, oh, cool, new oil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, it doesn't get fresher than this right, right off the beast. Just and I slice say, off a hunk and stuff it in the gas tank, honey. And it's easy to say, how dare humans do this? But then go play Oregon Trail and go out hunting in it, and it is so hard to resist the urge to just shoot every single thing that wanders mm. across your path. And then it's like, you needed— if you can carry forty pounds of meat. You killed seven thousand pounds of meat. <laughs> like it's so hard not to not to overdo it. So uh, they get back on the train to pursue this giant spider, and uh, our, uh, Gordon is like, oh, "I've inspired to create a flying machine. I'm inspired by that wasp. I'll create a flying machine to attack the spider." And Wes says, "There's no time. There's no time." Which objectively, there is no time to design and build a flying machine right now. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Loveless interrupts Grant hammering in that golden spike, and he demands Grant surrender the U.S. government. Then Gordon appears dressed as Grant to distract Loveless, and Loveless yeah. just puts both of them in a big net, the kind of net you would catch fish in, not not the kind of net Sandra Bullock got in, got in trouble with in our last big episode. No, it does. It does. <laughs> it is an odd way of trying to like slow things down to be like, oh, how do, how will you know which is the real Grant? I mean, like this guy's not. Well, just shoot them both. He has two bullets, yeah. presumably. At, at this <laughs> point, yeah. And uh, the, the, Loveless is holding up a $50 bill to see which one looks the most like him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you he, he holds out like a like a big bottle of whiskey to see which Grant is the alcoholic <laughs> one. Which one lunges for it, yeah. Uh, so West has a fight scene on the spider. He gets shot off of it. He gets shot point blank in the chest by one of the, by one of the lady bodyguards. But luckily— Gordon had snuck some chain mail under his coat. And Gordon, he describes this earlier, he's knitting it, and he's like, oh, I've created this type of mesh armor. And it's like, it's chain mail. It's existed for hundreds of years. Like, please don't <laughs> pretend that you invented this concept of armor made out of little links. Like, you, uh, blacksmiths have been making it for, for centuries. Uh, mm-hmm. Loveless gives a presentation, a kind of early PowerPoint presentation to all the other characters yeah. while constantly spinning in his chair. And he explains mm-hmm. his plan is to split up the United States among its original colonizers. The English will get the 13 colonies France will get the Louisiana Territory. Spain gets Florida. Uh, and he'll take a big chunk of it for himself, which he has named Loveless Land, which is which <laughs> sounds like a, the worst theme park, just like a bad place to – like a bad <laughs> Swingers theme park. Uh, yep. And I don't mean Swingers the movie. I mean Swingers like it's a place, where you, you know, for swapping. Yeah. Loveless. Sw- Swingers goes, the movie theme park exists in Universal Studios. <laughs> it's yeah, called yeah, it's, Las Vegas. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the Swingers theme park. The, the uh, you you uh, you go see how money you are in these swingers themed mirrors. <laughs> you must be this money to ride this ride. And there's like you a minion be. holding. Oh, it. that's even better. Yeah, it's, just a, it's a cardboard Vince Vaughn that says you must be this money. Do you know run. how money you are? <laughs> if not, welcome. <laughs> there's nothing yeah, else yeah. in that movie. That's pretty yeah, much the, it. The whole ride yeah. is you get strapped into a chair, and then Vince Vaughn's like, "Let's see how money you are." And then it shakes you around for a while, and it's like, "Thanks for holding onto the all spark, dude." It's like you you did it. You're, you're the most money guys. You, you can you can you can swing with us anytime. I'm imagining. I was, I was talking. I was talking to my older son recently about. He's like. It's like you're on the ride, and they're like, "Thanks, you did it. You're super cool." And it's like, I didn't do anything. I just sat here. I'm like, "You got it." You <laughs> oh, figured no. it out. Oh, he can see the uh, matrix now. Syndrome. Yeah, he can. Uh, see, he can see through the other side. Yeah. I, I, I was just trying to imagine what our younger listeners, who who perhaps didn't live through swingers, <laughs> must have made of the <laughs> last the, yeah, the, few the, minutes. <laughs> I mean, I, have to admit, I one, I don't think we have that many younger viewers, listeners, but two, I, I'll have to say, when Swingers came out, I was, what, 14, 15? I thought it was the coolest movie. I thought everyone yeah. in it was yeah, so cool. it's a fun cool. movie. 
It's yeah, a fun sure. movie, but I thought it was so cool. Inspired so many douchebags. Yeah, my friends and I started calling each other money for like one day, and then we were oh, like, well, man. this doesn't work. This sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Loveless gives this presentation, and then he, he threatens to shoot Gordon if, Gen- if Ulysses S. Grant won't surrender the United States, which is objectively, there's no way the president is going to yeah. surrender the entire nation to save one dude who is already a secret agent who knows he might die in the line of duty. But luckily, he doesn't have to make that choice because somehow— a belly dancer who is obviously Will Smith in disguise appears out of nowhere, and it is like a Tex Avery cartoon. Loveless immediately forgets <laughs> everything else in the room great. and is yeah. so immediately seduced. <laughs> his eyes bug out, his tongue falls on the ground, and it's it's like, how did Will Smith get on the spider? It doesn't – none of it makes – it's like he appears like, like Bugs Bunny would just out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, I would say that his body turns into a steam-powered carriage and shoots out uh, steam, but he already kind of is like that. Yeah, <laughs> Unfortunately, the ruse is undone by his fake breasts, which become mechanical flamethrowers and are just throwing flames everywhere. Loveless <laughs> manages to escape with the real Grant, uh, and uh, Gordon wants to run after them, but West goes, no, we need a new plan. And so when this presentation is not happening on the spider, right? This presentation is happening back at Spider City, I assume, because, mm-hmm. and I'll just mention it now, take me down to Spider City yep. where the grass is green and the girls are spiders. Mm-hmm. For, oh, for a great deal on spiders. Take me down. Yeah. Spider City. Take me, <laughs> that's that's the commercial for the pet shop, yep. Spider City. Take <laughs> yeah. me down to Spider City where this week scorpions are half off. That's right, it's Scorpion Week here at Spider City. <laughs> Not technically a spider, but arachnids. <laughs> it is related, and we need the money because we're being sued by Axel Rose for our jingle. Uh, so anyway, uh, they, they Loveless and Grant escape. Uh, Gordon wants to go after them, but West goes, no, we need a plan. And the man who was impulsively jumping into action now he's all about plans. There is so they, also a moment where they're like, should we go after him? And he looks to Rita and she's like, yeah, you can go after him. Like, oh, okay. Like she, there's a moment where he's like, should I pursue a romantic interest here? And she's like, no, you can go. No, you can go. Mm-hmm. You should You should do that. You should save the country instead. So the, Gordon quickly, he turns his motorcycle into a flying machine. They use mm-hmm. it. They drop bombs on the spider. They get shot down. Uh, and there's a lot of henchmen fighting on the spider. It goes on yeah, for a yeah. long time until finally- and each of the henchmen has some sort of deformity or a or dis, or like a handicap of some kind. It's it it and they're kind of so like the bad guys from uh, the Judge Red movie of Sylvester well, Stallone, right? And let's yeah yeah yeah. I I want to say uh, Seinfeld's like clearly he's trying to as we said before recapture the men in black magic. Yes, but Seinfeld is great at doing these like big outlandish sort of uh, kinetic. Films. He's not necessarily a good action director, though. Mm-hmm. Like the action sequences are just sort of like I don't know, a bunch of stuff happening. And he it's is not- a, he is a he's a comedy and visual director. I mean, but I would say yeah. like they're I mean they're good action scenes in the Men in Black stuff. And like in the I guess you're right. It's kinetic. Like in the Adams Family movies, it's not exactly action, but it's dynamic. There's a lot of dynamic yes. movement. You know that mm-hmm. comes off really exciting. But, but I just right. say this to like this is. In a boring movie, this, the the action is some of the most boring part. There's yeah. a lot and of it at the end. Especially these fights where there's one point where West defeats the final bad guy by somehow electrocuting him, and I rewound, and I yeah. still could not figure out how it no. happened. It's like yeah. the I bad guess, guy is looking at him, and then suddenly is just filled with electricity and dies. And I was like, did that happen <laughs> spontaneously? Like, yeah. what? There was, uh, I was reading a bit of trivia, and apparently the original cut of the movie, the climax was just West be- beating up uh the bevy of babes 
and they're like, Oof. uh, this is weird. So they had to do a whole bunch of reshoots to add these, mm. uh, these like that, uh, spider workers or whatever. Yeah, these like thugs who are one guy's a metal plate on his head and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which which is better. And he so finally Will Smith confronts Loveless, and we're gonna and uh, it is just reminding me of the Green Lantern movie where a handsome, cool guy it has to beat up a nerd in a wheelchair, and this yeah. was and suddenly and it was like, do you know what your audience is like? This is. Not a no, good dynamic. Was 100% the problem with it. Because at the beginning, he has this robot wheelchair with robot legs that can like beat up Will Smith. But the moment. Yeah, he they reveals short the wheelchair out, is actually a smaller mechanical spider yeah. that also has legs. Yeah. Once they short out that wheelchair spider, Will Smith is essentially just beating up a, <laughs> a disabled man. And the, the whole movie changes at that point. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, yeah, it's more it, like it I changes like the, from. Amazing to not as good. <laughs> it, 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 from amazing to, to Oscar winning. Now, I, yeah. I feel I'm like just whole, saying it's a miscalculation to at that yes. point. Yeah, like, yes. You're right. No, but right. I would say, I would feel like the movie does not change at that point, which is the problem. It doesn't feel like yeah. it's a misstep in a movie that is otherwise walking the, the tightrope or the balance beam. It feels like the movie is now coming back to what it is, which is gross, which is a movie that does not, is not has no respect for any human being and <laughs> is is you know is gross to women and all that stuff. Uh, Guys, somehow- did you another little another little Easter egg in there when uh, Loveless was driving? <laughs> there's a sequence where Loveless is driving his giant spider and he's forcing the President Grant to watch him blow up Western towns and he's like, "Are you gonna are you gonna sign it over to me?" He's like, "No." So he blows up a town and they I guess presumably are walking off to do it all over again and blow up another town. Like, I love the, I kind of wish there was a montage, you know, like Christopher Walken blowing up. Uh, Destroying uh, the houses. Bears. Country bears. But uh, yeah. Just the, one town after another. Really? Six that, towns? Still the not town they blow the up. town they blow up named Silverado. Oh. After another Kevin Klein movie called Silverado. Called yeah. The Big Chill. Yeah, <laughs> grand. And the whole time, the whole time I'm watching this movie, I just I I kept thinking to myself. And at the end of the day, Kevin Klein goes home and just I guess complains to Phoebe Cates about yeah. making this movie. And just like the I'm constantly I'm the uh, there's something there's I, this is maybe a weird feeling, but whenever I think about Kevin Klein, I cannot help but think think about how lucky he is to be married to Phoebe Cates. You know? I like literally he's super said, talented, super charming, super handsome. But like the fact that that he's like, yeah, I get Phoebe Cates all to myself. She doesn't even make movies anymore. She's just someone I live with, like it's and have a I family was with. Like texting oh, my friend, essentially the same thing, complaining about this movie, and and they were saying something about you know, you know, sort of half derailed his career. I'm like, yeah, but you know, he's married to Phoebe Cates, so how much can he complain? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and his and his son made a good movie last year. And his daughter's uh, an what indie was, musician who's who's I listened to her stuff. It's it's pretty okay. good. What was what was his son's movie? Funny Pages. Oh, I didn't realize that was his son. Okay, I never, yeah, I yeah. haven't seen it. But oh, I heard Klein, it was really good. Yeah. Oh, and, dude, and, you I mean, should totally see Klein it. Dynasty I like, now. I feel I like it will be. It might be a little too close to home. Yeah, I, that's if anything. That's why I'm worried about watching it. Yeah, yeah it's uh, kind of rough in that way. Yeah, and uh, and he's great on Bob's Burgers. Super talented. But yeah, there's something about like the. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe behind the scenes, Phoebe Cates is a monster. But there's just something <laughs> about like I'm always like, oh yeah, like what a like what a what a. A thing to be incredibly thankful and grateful for, Kevin Klein, above everything else, is that yeah. is that you're married to Kavivi Cates. Anyway, uh, she's great. It's, she's she's up there. With, there's a few people that I wish had not left professional film acting, and mm-hmm. she's right at the top. It's like her and Rick Moranis and a few other people that I that I wish were were still yeah had still been working for the past couple decades. You know, but anyway, 
where were we? Oh, yeah, so West and Loveless, they end up hanging off the spider over a cliff. I on, somehow West causes Loveless to fall to his death. Honestly, I didn't care enough to, yeah. to pay atten- close attention to it. It happens. Yeah. He presses a button on something and he falls off somehow. And I think they I both just like he essentially he lets them both go, but because he's our hero, he can grab a chain on the way down and not yeah. fall to his death. Yeah, something like that. And uh, so now it's the end. Uh, President Grant names West and Gordon the first agents of the Secret Service. This is ahistorical. The Secret Service did not start then. It's, it was, I think, earlier than that. Uh, it was begun as an anti-counterfeiting uh, force. <laughs> put in the goofs. Put in the, yeah, I, I could the be goofs. wrong about when it started. Maybe maybe that is when it started. I don't know. Oh, so uh, this movie's kind of like a prequel to to Live and Die in L.A. <laughs> yes, tells- exactly. It, this movie, it takes place in the same universe as To Live and Die in L.A. And that's why you can notice in the background <laughs> the portraits of, of James West, of Jim West and, and Artemis Gordon. And it, and it says, our first agents. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, now, Elliot, tell us when the they, other ways they, in which when they when they set up that when they accidentally killed that other guy who's also a, also a, 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 an agent, they're like they're like, what would Weston and Gordon think about this? <laughs> yeah, they saved the president. Yeah. No, I'm just looking forward to you going through the other ways in which Wild Wild West is historically inaccurate. Oh, okay, I will also mention. So uh, I don't believe Ulysses S. Grant hammered in the Golden Spike uh, okay. that connected the Transcontinental Railroad. Also, at no point Another were. Goof. At no point were uh, America's scientists kidnapped to build a giant robot spider. Oh, yeah, we got, Huge we got goof. goof Master General. <laughs> there, there's a big goof. Uh, there was, as far as I know, there was no, there was no uh, Arlo Loveless. That's a fictional character. <laughs> oh, or maybe a composite character. Yeah. Maybe man a composite. tried to kill Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And so uh, Rita reveals, this is when Rita reveals, as Dan mentioned, that the scientist she was after was not her father but her husband, and she just leaves. And uh, it just ends with Weston Gordon riding the giant spider into the The movie ends with a giant whipper. <laughs> yeah. And As, there's, there's a moment where Gordon goes, can I ask you a question? And yeah. Will Smith goes, no. And that's it. That's the last, that's those, the that's last, the last exchange of the film. <laughs> right up there with nobody's perfect. For- <laughs> right up there with this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like shutting down an improv scene immediately. Uh, the most interesting thing you can do is say no. And then, and then you get the, and then you hear the Wild Wild West song, as Stuart is, is, uh-huh. has, been, has mentioned. Yeah. Well, maybe that's it. They were like, "This is really the last line of the film." Yeah, the Wild yeah, Wild yeah. West song. So. And I don't know about go- you guys. I immediately went and watched the 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 music video, and you know what? Still good. Okay. I did not. I immediately I watched that. a different now, movie to, to watch to, the taste of this one out of my mouth. Okay. Um. Yeah. Let's get final judgments. Is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? Or a movie? You kind of like. Um, I'm going to say that this is a bad, bad movie. There's nothing quite as painful as a comedy that doesn't work. And you've got two people who have made me laugh a lot in the past, and Will Smith and uh, Kevin Klein Kenneth heading Rana. this. And <laughs> the hysterical Kenneth Branagh. Um, celebrity. Woody Allen celebrity. <laughs> um, but... Nothing that's works. That's maybe the only performance of his that's more cartoonish than this one. His his Woody Allen impression in Celebrity. The jokes don't work on their own terms. And then on top of that, most of them are uncomfortably uh, race-related or gay panic. Or, or misogynist. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just not fun to watch. So I say don't do it. Yeah, Stuart? I'm with you. It's oh, oh, so you go first. No, no, either way. I'm going to say this is a bad, bad movie. I, uh, 
you know, I'd put it off for a long time, not watching, like I put off watching it for a long time. When it first came out, I was uh, deep into the Deadlands role-playing universe. And I'm like, oh man, this doesn't take the thing that I think is cool seriously. So I don't want to watch this fucking shit. And you know what? I was right. This movie sucks. If you want to watch a movie <laughs> that is a, like a historical really action adventure <laughs> with like, a little bit of steampunky anachronistic elements and maybe some supernatural elements and is also just a little bit horny. I would direct your attention to the mummy franchise, which is way better. Hmm. Yeah. I thought you might've been talking about bone tomahawk until you got to the horny. part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You do get to see that guy's butt before he gets split in half. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a bad, bad movie and it's too bad. I was really hoping that we would watch this and I'd be like, Oh, this is something that turns out has a lot of gem moments in it because I like the stars I love Barry Sonnenfeld's movies that he made before this. Like the, uh, um, and even among those, like Get Shorty is a movie that I love. I just think it's a fantastic comedy, and and yeah. it's it manages to pull off the idea of a l cool movie with lowish stakes that is still really pulls you along, and you're just really yeah. enjoying it the whole time. And it's just it's it feels like a movie that was out of control, and nobody knows what they're doing or why they're doing it. And on top of that, as Dan said, it's gross. It's not enough that it's mm -hmm. bad; it's also gross. And that's bad gross. and gross, that's bros. That's the worst. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the worst. Well, uh, we have a couple of sponsors for our show. The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, anything. content you create, <laughs> and even your time. Well, I'd say... For your own good, maybe stick to things that are legal, lest you be pinched by the fuzz. <laughs> Dan, hey. you really are a Gen X uh, cool guy. Yep. Not a Zoomer. Certainly uh, not a Zoomer. No. Uh, hey, here's some things you can do with Squarespace. Gain powerful insights into who's visiting your site and how they interact with your content with the in-depth analytics tools they offer, including page views, traffic sources, time on site, most read content, audience geography, and more. With Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace, you can start with a best in class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop and mobile. Old drag and drop technology, they said, no, let's reimagine this for you. Head to squarespace.com flap <laughs> that's not Flap? even. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's not even close. Nope. Uh, I'm going to say that one more time. Head to. <laughs> head to. Please. This is an advertisement. Everyone be serious for one moment. Head to squarespace.com slash flop. That's F-L-O-P. Flop as in flop house for a free trial. And when you are ready to launch, use offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Dan, that was a delightfully pushy ad read. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You know who else is pushy? My cats when they are hungry. Oh mm. boy. Muscles and meatball, when they want food, they make sure I know about it. And when I want to give them food, I turn to Smalls. That's right. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you could find right in your fridge, and it's delivered right to your door. Cats need fresh, protein-packed meals to be at their best. After making the switch to Smalls, 78% of cat owners reported their cats had shinier and softer fur 
and 90% reported overall health improvements. That's huge. Those are big numbers, people. So okay. remember, high-quality ingredients mean a healthier and happier life for your kitty. So head to smalls.com slash flop and use promo code flop at checkout for 50% off your first order, plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, and you have to use our code flop for 50% off your first order. One last time for everybody in the back row. That's promo code FALOP for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Those sound like amazing deals. I'll tell you another amazing deal. More entertainment from the Flop guys. That's right. It's Flop TV, our monthly live video show that we broadcast live once a month. It's like a TV show version of the podcast. And I still hour-long kind of TV-watching kind of thing version mm-hmm. of this podcast. Good description. Sounds so good. <laughs> Thank you. We hope you managed to see our first episode, Beastmaster 2, which was hilarious. I had a lot of fun doing it with you guys, and I think the audience liked it too. If not, your next chance is coming up. Our next show is Cool World on September 9th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. That's right, Cool World. Stuart's on PowerPoint Presentation Patrol. Dan will be doing the summary, so get ready to hear us talk about sexy cartoons and why Ralph Bakshi movies never really work. Like, I assume yeah. we're going to have to talk about that at some point. Yeah. Uh, and as you know, if Dan is doing the summary of a sexy cartoon movie, <laughs> wow, you thought this episode had some gross stuff in it? Well, get ready. It's going to be- Wolf whistle, wolf whistle. Parents only, only adults, and I guess adults without kids also. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not invited, Dan. <laughs> okay. No, only parents. If you can't make it on September 9th, don't rend your garments in rage and grief. Your ticket gets you access to a recording of the show for two weeks after the air dates. That's until September 23rd or so. So September 9th. Yeah, so like if you're watching it and it gets too gross and you have to go take a shower and come back to it later, you can. Yes, you can, exactly. September 9th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Cool World. Episode two of Flop TV. We're doing six episodes over six months. Single tickets and season passes for the rest of the run of the shows are available at theflophouse.simpleticks.com. And you'll see more movies that we have coming up listed there. Flop TV. Hey, don't forget about it. <laughs> it has that uh, first slogan. Nah. Is that okay? Same, different than the one Maybe before. A little even... Well, yeah, last week's was uh, was Flop TV. What was it? Flop, won't you? I don't remember what it was. Yeah, okay. Something well, like that, yeah. we'll, we'll get this settled, I'm sure, by the okay, end of the season. Add it yeah, to the yeah. whiteboard. Soon, when, when we're done, we'll have, a good, we'll have a good slogan for it. I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. (laughs) Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. (laughs) Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Cow. The queen is dead. Long live the 
queen! And the fast-talking, fist-clocking Hal Uplin! See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fights! Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. Now ring the bell. Let's uh, read a few letters from listeners. Listeners? We have we have a few. This is from Jaffer, last name withheld, mm-hmm. who writes, Dear Peaches, as a longtime fan and attendee of two live shows, Thank I'm you. looking forward to my next time to, I'm looking forward to the next time you all hit the road. Since my niece took my Flophouse Housecat t-shirt, I'm hoping you do a new tour short. When I listen, I can't help but get strong vibes of A Year with Frog and Toad, the musical based on the books by Arnold LaBelle. Dan is the grumpy toad. Stuart is the upbeat frog. And Elliot is the chorus of birds. And obviously the snail with the mail singing songs of delivery. Oh, I love that snail. It takes him so long to deliver that letter. (laughs) What a great story. I love those books. You three as frog, toad, and snail would kill on a t-shirt. Hope you consider it when plotting your next tour. I also have a question. Was it Ben Mankiewicz who said you shouldn't remake good movies, only bad movies? I I don't think he's the first person to say it, but it has been said. Yeah. Are there any bad movies that if you were a producer with a budget to tempt any director, you would have that director remake David Fincher's Chopping Mall? I mean, Chopping Mall is pretty great. Yeah, uh, that's a fucking banger of a movie right there. (laughs) Steven Spielberg's Over the Brooklyn Bridge. Elliot could time travel to deliver a script to any director from the past. Stuart could reanimate Stuart Gordon as needed. Exasperated size, ripped ding-dongs, and rocket crocodiles for all. Jaffer, last name withheld. It's an interesting one. Now, this question was first posed to us by Dan via email ahead of time. I did not know that I could go anywhere in space and time. Sorry, to, I, to get past directors to do it because then it opens up a whole new, whole new world of film. A uh, whole new world. Could of we finally film. have? Finally, we'll have. Finally, we'll have Ingmar Bergman's Wild Wild West. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, so I thought about this. But so I have some answers, but they're all modern filmmakers remaking older movies. You guys want to hear them? Yeah, sure. drop it on us. Sure. So a movie and uh, so this is a bad old movie that it's not. Not everything about it is terrible, but it is not a wholly successful movie. And for a while, it was being talked about as a remake for Tim Burton. And that's X the Man with X-Ray Eyes and starring Ray Milland as a man who gets X-Ray Eyes and his eyes allow him to penetrate even further and further into reality. And I think that could be an interesting premise for one Jordan Peele. I haven't loved his last movie, but I didn't love it particularly. But I think oh, that- uh, I, you you loved it. I didn't love it. But I think that he could handle that and also bring a-, a an element of social commentary to the idea of someone who can now see through uh, the surface reality into hidden things that I think he could do interesting things with. And it could be funny too. Uh, I got two other examples. One is, you ever remember that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie that was so bad? Oh, yeah. Do I? I need a director who can handle kind of fussy recreations of like over-detailed past things. You guessed it. Wes Anderson's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think it, hear me out, it's a little unorthodox, but if you've seen uh-huh. Grand Budapest Hotel, you know he can handle kind of somewhat actiony things. There's chase sequences in that. And the man will pack as much detail into, into a frame as possible. So I think if someone's going to get across the uh, cluttered Victoriana of Kevin O'Neill's artwork, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Wes Anderson. And finally, sometimes you have a movie that's about a strong female character 
but it doesn't have a strong female director. And that movie I'm talking about is Trog, starring Joan Crawford and I think her final role <laughs> as the scientist who finds a living caveman. And you know who's going to direct it? Greta Gerwig. That's right. Greta Gerwig's Trog. I don't know who's going to play the scientist yet. I don't know who's going to play the troglodyte yet. But I'm interested to see what she does with the premise. So those three movies, I guess they'll be coming out next year. Jordan Peele's X, The Man with X-Ray Eyes, Wes Anderson's The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and Greta Gerwig's Trog. So, guys, what do you think? What are you going to suggest? All these movies uh, will be made. How about, uh, wait, hold on. I'm trying, I, I start, I was about to say something, and then I was like, do I have the right name? So, Stuart, if you have something. Yeah, uh, I guess, uh, you know, we, last year we watched a uh, a movie with, uh, Marmaduke, where Pete Davidson did the voice. A movie with Marmaduke like, or the movie Marmaduke? I think the it was movie called was Marmaduke. Marmaduke. Okay, so it wasn't uh, just a movie that Marmaduke happened no. to be in. Oh, okay. But I feel like uh, if if you want to make a movie with animal characters where I'll actually connect with it, that's right. I think you're going to have to remake Marmaduke and have George Miller direct it. He's, <laughs> he's got quite a hit rate. And he, also, do, he does talking animals. He does he them does great, do, yeah. He does do animal movies. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Also, he can inject a little bit of, he can handle the action that a Marmaduke movie requires. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if these are the best ideas, but here's some that I have. Let's take Wild Wild West. Let's start out there. Sure. We just watched. Okay. Mm-hmm. Toss it over to Martin Brest. He needs, he did one of the best uh, buddy comedy action things in uh, Midnight Run. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really needs- made up for his involvement with the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk, which uh, took world, which took Russia out of World War One and caused a lot of trouble for everybody. Uh, and that would, uh, you know, get him out of uh, director jail too, because uh, he's been in there for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, him and Eugene Levy. And then uh, maybe yeah, he and Eugene <laughs> are hanging out. And then uh, how about this, Jonathan Glazer's. Land nine from outer space, huh? Okay. What do you think about that? Okay, tell Have me I more. Have I convinced you? Nope. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll bring some of that under the skin energy to the tale of, you know, space visitors who come back, come to Earth and reanimate the dead for some reason that I forget. <laughs> I guess that was that plan to nine. To take over the world. Attack, that was the plan. To take over the world. I mean, plan nine was one that, that came to mind for me too, and I felt like I didn't have quite the right director on hand for it. I could see it working. I could see that working. Um, let's go on to another letter if my phone will unlock. There it is. And it Gary is. Marshall's plan nine from outer space. Now you're cooking with gas. Gary Marshall and his son, Neil Marshall, collaborate for the mm-hmm. first time on plan nine from outer space. Dear Peaches. That's us. I can't remain silent any longer. Then say it out loud. Speak your truth. I've uncovered a global conspiracy about monkey bone and your curious silence about it. (laughs) It has everything the Flophouse should love. It has a giant bust of Abraham Lincoln whose mouth is a portal to the waking world. It has Whoopi Goldberg as death driving a giant mech suit. It even has Chris Kattan as a reanimated corpse who drops internal organs while getting chased by the corrupt doctor played by Bob Odenkirk. This movie is such a wildly ambitious train wreck and a genuine box office flop that it is the perfect movie to come up on the flop house, but you three have been conspicuously silent. Mm-hmm. The only logical explanation is that Brendan Fraser has been paying you off for years. How can you live with yourselves knowing you are part of the global, global conspiracy? I demand 
answers, all names withheld, so Brendan Fraser can't find me. Wow, wow. This We are through the looking glass, people. I have to admit, <laughs> uh, what stopped us from talking about Monkey Bone is I have never seen it, and I remember seeing the trailer when it was first coming out and thinking, that seems a bit much. Um. I did not have much access to it because, again, it was almost out of the theaters almost immediately. I think they took two, I think they took out two newspaper print ads in the entire country to advertise it, I heard. I mean, we get a lot of these why haven't you done this emails. And in general, the answer is, as described towards the beginning of this show, uh, normally we have done newer movies. So if there's mm-hmm. something that existed before the yeah, flop like, house, we get Why haven't you done Cries and Whispers? Um <laughs> But uh, I will say that I actually have seen Monkey Bone twice, <laughs> and uh, I'm of the camp. <laughs> to have the time. <laughs> I am of the camp. <laughs> oh, you're telling me. To be, to, to be so frivolous with the hours that God has set for us. Uh, I mean, if you enjoy what you're doing, is it frivolity, Elliot? No, I guess you're it, right. I mean, it's the definition of frivolity. We all, but no, we all but make it's, it's choices about how we spend our time. That's um, true. While I'm out feeding the hungry, <laughs> housing the homeless, you are watching Monkey Bone yeah, yet yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, I must have uh, missed the uh, <laughs> the pictures of you doing those things. Um, Dan, Dan, I don't do it for the felicity. <laughs> uh, when, when, somebody, no, I, when somebody comes up to take a picture of me doing my charitable work, I pull a Sonny Corleone and I throw <laughs> that camera to the ground. Monkey Bone, famously the live-action uh, film by stop-motion animating director Henry Selleck, who did... The Nightmare Before Christmas, among other things. Not directed by Tim Burton, produced by Tim Burton. Henry Selleck was the director. He did Monkey Bone. It is a uh, live-action comedy with some cartoon elements, animated elements in in it. But uh, it has a lot, you know, in common with, like, the look of something like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's, it's, It's a fun movie. I'm of the camp that thinks it is unfairly maligned. It is... Got a lot of crazy imagery, like uh, beautiful stuff, uh, silly stuff. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it's not that funny until the very end when it gets very funny when Chris Catan is being chased around by Bob Odenkirk uh, as a reanimated corpse who's losing his organs. Um, so those okay, are my you, the monkey you sold us on Monkey Bone, okay. Yeah. Okay, so I, I mean, I'm curious to watch it at some point. I don't know if it, if it should we do it for the pop for the podcast at some point. We, we, I mean, we could if we keep we keep going back like this. I mean, this is actually the Monkey Bone came out after the movies that we have uh, oh, wow. done, so we'd have to go forward a little bit. But we could do it. But I don't know. Yeah. Would covering Monkey Bone be really helping the studios who are using Monkey Bone profits to prop yeah, up there's their? So much, that's there's so true. Much Monkey Bone merchandise out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. I, I was. I did Ryan. I did Ryan the boner, the Monkey Bone uh, roller coaster over at right. uh, whatever studio it was. <laughs> yeah, 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 the one that's like, yeah, you must be this boner to ride this ride. <laughs> <laughs> you must be this boner. Well, they, you know, whatever. You must studio be this monkey. <laughs> I'm sure they refer to it as the house that Monkey Bone built. Sure. Yeah. Uh, a24. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't even find it. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to recommendations. Uh, again, because of the uh, ongoing strikes, we've been steering away from new stuff, but there's plenty of stuff that's older or things that are not even movies that we can recommend. Yeah. I'm going to return to the re- tradition of <laughs> recommending a movie this time around. 
I saw. Uh, Did, didn't, you like the, the, didn't you recommend? Didn't you recommend at one point? Yeah, the <laughs> concept of naps. I stand by it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I watched uh, just recently? The smile on an old lady's face. <laughs> Uh, I watched, uh, it's a foreign film. It's from 2005. It is called Cachet by Michael Hanukkah as the director. I think director. just Cash. I think just it's pronounced just Cash, but I could be wrong. It has an accent. Does it have an accent? Oh, then maybe it, I'm so. wrong. Then maybe I'm wrong. You know what? Um, he's, he's a cash money. <laughs> you know what, Alex? Just go back and replace everything I've said in this episode with fart noises. That's all I deserve. <laughs> wow, harsh punishment, but fair. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, tr- I tried to watch this at home and kind of not gotten into it. And then I, the, the Quad Cinema is doing a Juliette Binoche retrospective, and I went out and saw it's it pronounced in Binoche. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's a movie that really is well served by being in a theater where you have to put all of your attention on it because it is yes. part of its strategy is long takes that. You know, a lot, the premise is that the, the, this couple gets tapes of their home, surveillance tapes. They don't know where they're coming from. Kind of like in Lost is, Highway. Uh, the thing is that even the parts of the movie that aren't these surveillance tapes are sort of deliberately shot from a remove, often in one long shot without camera movement, to give that feeling of an observer even when it's it's not part of what's actually happening in the text of the film. And it, back in the day, this was sort of sold as a thriller just because I think people didn't know how to describe it. If you mm-hmm. go in thinking of it that way, I think uh, you'll be disappointed at the way it does not want to hit the usual plot points and give you the catharsis that a thriller will. Uh, it is much more about the guilt people carry with them. It is about specific... French guilt, uh, but that also serves as just kind of a metaphor for the general ways in which that's guilt where you only tuck in people. the one half of your shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was it was excellent. Cachet is great. Uh, that's what I recommend. Cool. Uh, you guys don't be mad at me. I'm going to recommend an indie movie that's kind of new. Okay, but I don't I don't think it's under the guild. If you're gonna, I don't know. Well, let's find out. I'm going to recommend how to blow up a pipeline. I don't know. They blow me up. I don't know what it is. We're doing this voluntarily. Don't hold our feet to the fire Okay, so I'm recommending how to blow up a pipeline. Uh, It's directed by the guy who directed Cam from a few years ago. And just like Cam, it is a tense, timely, uh, and vital thriller. Uh, it is about a group of young people who, for their for, for a variety of reasons, uh, choose to engage in an act of, I guess, what they describe themselves as eco-terrorism, where they blow up an oil pipeline. Uh, and it's great. It's like a super tight, almost heist-like thriller. Um, and it is touches on the fact that our world is dying and uh, nobody seems to give a shit. So it's great. Thumbs up, how to blow up a pipeline. Sounds like a real spirit raiser. Wow, you guys really, yeah. really bring in smiles to America <laughs> with You're your downer picks. Elliot. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to recommend a movie that is an older movie also. I'm going to recommend a movie from 1972. That's right, the Swingin' 70s. This is a documentary that actually won the Academy Award for Best Documentary that year in 1972. It's called Marjo. And it is a documentary about Marjo Gortner, who uh, many people may know as one of the stars of the movie Star Crash. 
Uh, he had an mm. acting career that is not the most uh, uh, impressive. You know, he's still alive, but he's not acting as much. But earlier in his life, when he was a child and then a young man, he made his living as a Pentecostal kind of tent preacher. And his whole thing was that he was the child preacher who was preaching the word of God from the age of, I think, four onwards. Uh, and this documentary is about Marjo Gortner returning to that life to make a certain amount of money so that he can get out of it and kind of revealing to the documentary makers how much he was coached as a child, what the tricks the tricks are in this kind of thing, how fake it all is, and mm. things you have to do to get a congregation worked up so that you can get money out of them. And that's intercut with a lot of footage of him actually at these, you know, revival evangelist meetings and uh, just kind of working himself up into a frenzy and working the audience up into a frenzy uh, in this um, intense religiosity. And most of the movie is setting up this kind of, you not laughing at exactly because you, you become almost overwhelmed by the passion of the people who are at these revival or these evangelist meetings. Um, but kind of, you know, looking above them and Marjo is kind of like your ally. And by the end of the movie, I ended up really finding him to be a, an a unlikable person for the way that he, for the way he treated the people that he was bilking, mm-hmm. not just for the bilking, but how he was looking down on them, and it made me feel guilty about the way I had looked down on them early in the movie. So it's a it's a movie that is feels relatively straightforward, but by the end of it, I had very complex feelings about its subjects. And uh, it's available online. Uh, it's called Marjo, and it's real good. It's not a long movie. Usually, I'm like, watch this four hour movie. This time, it's like less than ninety minutes. Go for it. Oh, it's man. really good. And don't. Watch Scar Joe, which is a documentary about Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. yes. and her work as a preacher, bilking people out of money. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. Don't sue me. Notorious. That's my new catchphrase. It's a joke. Don't sue me. <laughs> Don't watch the documentary Larjo uh-huh. about the Largo Comedy Club that is mispronounced. <laughs> okay. And you, and you, it's, and if you want to watch Key Largo, which again is the movie Key Largo with Miss Browns, go ahead. It's a good movie. It's like a tense gangster thriller. It's a good movie. Yeah, that's uh, uh, scores by the Beach Boys. I've been on Key Largo. <laughs> anyway, so with that whimper of a irrelevant fact, let's put. Oh, and if you want spaghetti what? sauce, then it's Prejo, Prejo, or Prego. Okay, and not ragu for- or ragu, old world style. Ugh. Uh, hey, this is a podcast that's on a network, and that network network is called Maximum Fun. You can go to MaximumFun.org to see the other shows on the network. Uh, there's stuff about comedy. There's other stuff about culture. There's a podcast that helps you sleep. I'm sure you would enjoy something else over there. If you just take a look, why don't you? Uh <laughs> This Flophouse flop podcast Turned into is a disapproving also, old man by the end. <laughs> it's also uh, produced by Alex Smith. You can find him all over the web as Howell Dottie. He does Twitch streams. He does music. He does his own podcast, Fast Track. Look him up. Um, but for now, for the Flophouse, oh, also Flop TV on sale. Flop TV. Go to uh, it. What is it? Let me look up the website again. Sorry. Simple Ticks. No. Uh, sorry, theflophouse.simpletix.com. Yeah. Also, if you just go to the Flophouse website, there's links on there. You and what's that? When what's that URL? Uh, flophousepodcast.com. 
Okay, we did. But uh, for the flop house, I have been Dan McCoy. Now and forever, I am Stuart Wellington. And in this moment in time, I am taking the form of Elliot Kalin. But who knows what, who, or how I'll be in the future? Goodbye, mortals. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I got a real smoker for the for the oh, intro. Wow. Oh boy! All right, your well, let's... you're you're in the net one. I laugh at it still, just thinking about it. So. <laughs> and then People I played really it for Sam. That. I, I played it for Sammy, and Sammy was like, "What?" Like he just did not get it. Because <laughs> he probably was just thinking of that kind of net. Yeah. Rather yeah. than he doesn't know the net means the internet. Yeah. 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 Maximum fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.